Welcome to the Discover Strength Podcast, where we ditch the fads and bring you the latest research on exercise to help you look and feel your best in a fraction of the time. I'm your host, Logan Emmett Herlihy, an exercise physiologist with Discover Strength. Let's get into this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and I just wanted to say welcome. I'm your host of the Discover Strength Podcast, Logan Emmett Herlihy. As we start to wrap up the year of 2022, I'm just so grateful for all of our listeners, and we just wanted to take a little bit of time to sort of recap some of our favorite episodes of the year. Uh, Today we'll be talking about our top five, well, my top five, favorite episodes from the year 2022. Instead of having a roundtable discussion like we did last year, I thought I'd just include some clips of some of my favorite interviews that I've had the opportunity to do this year. I think first and foremost uh, with this list, just realizing that these are not in any particular order. All of these guests have been just fantastic, and I'm, I'm so privileged and honored to, to have the chance to speak to every single one of them. Uh, to anybody who's been a guest on the Discover Strength podcast, again, thank you so much for taking the time to educate our listeners, educate myself. Uh, I have such a good time doing these and, and learning from everyone. So let's kick it off. I, I think first and foremost, I just want to say, man, this whole episode mini-series with David Geschneider was just a, a fantastic time for me. We got to discuss some big takeaways that I'm sure some of our listeners and clients have seen in the studios when they're at their workouts. Uh, 12 things we think are just essential uh, for getting the most out of your strength training workouts in the least amount of time possible in the most effective manner possible. There were too many different episodes, 12 in total, uh, to take away favorite clips from. So I would simply recommend that everybody go through that series, take the time to listen. doesn't have to be in any particular order. Most episodes are less than 15 minutes, and, and quite a few are in about the 5 to 10 minute range. So just some really bite-sized, shareable nuggets that I would highly recommend uh, sharing with fellow listeners. The first full episode that I wanted to discuss uh, was my episode with Christy Ashwanden. Christy is the uh, best-selling author of the New York Times bestseller, Good to Go. She's a exercise science researcher and just a science researcher in general. It was such a pleasure to connect with her on this podcast, and um, she just has so many interesting takeaways. Her book, Good to Go, is all about the science of recovery. Uh, if there's any actual merit to it, and what we really know based on the clinical literature about what's effective for getting you back on your feet and getting back to action as soon as possible. Here's a clip where Christy discusses the biggest takeaway she probably found from doing her research on the book Good to Go and sort of a summation of the book as a whole. If you haven't had a chance to read it yet, I would highly recommend it. Yeah, I mean, I think number one is the thing that we just talked about, which is that most of these products are really, you know, they're they're heavily marketed, but the notions that they work are really marketing and that the science that's being held up to show that, you know, prove that they work is more marketing than science. It's very easy to do very small studies and sort of um, prime them to get the answer that you want. And if you don't like the answer that one gives, you know, do another small study, you can keep going and just 
publish or share the one that looks good for your product. So that's one thing to really you know, have a more skeptical eye. But when it comes to like what really works, there's just hands down one thing that is just absolutely powerful and that is sleep. And yet people are super dismissive of sleep because everyone already sleeps. People feel like, yeah, they know that, you know, people don't want to throw down, you know, 20 bucks for a book to say, oh, you know, eat well and sleep, sleep enough. You know? <laughs> it's like, I know that, but how many people actually do it and get it correct, you know, and in, and I have a, a chapter about sleep in the book. And I talk about some really interesting strategies that pro athletes are using to improve their sleep, especially when they're crossing time zones and things like that. So even though sleep is really basic and fundamental, it's actually something that there's a lot that you can do to improve it. And really when it comes to where do you want to spend your energy? Where do you want to spend your time and money? You know, you're probably much better off spending money on blackout curtains to facilitate better sleep than you are buying one of these gadgets or supplements or anything like that. And, and really, you know, the, the, takeaway here is to actually prioritize sleep because so many people don't. And so making sure, you know, that's when, you know, your human growth levels, uh, hormone levels shoot up. It's when you have all these other uh, hormonal shifts that happen during sleep that really do facilitate recovery. And so if you're skipping on sleep, you're, you're really losing a lot. So there's really nothing else that you can do that would be as effective. Another thank you again to Christy for joining me on the podcast. She is such a brilliant woman and uh, just so excited to see her future research in the field in her next book, which will hopefully be out in the next few years. Um, Christy was also a speaker at her recent resistance exercise conference and just so many fun, interesting takeaways. Get that sleep, prioritize it, especially if you want to be at your best. Our next episode, uh, episode three on our list of five, if you want to call it that, is going to be from Stuart Phillips. It was actually a two-part episode. Uh, Dr. Phillips was nice enough to join me for an extended period as we discussed protein supplementation, animal versus plant protein, uh, and which is more effective or if there's a difference at all, and then also just supplements in general. The industry, the supplement industry specifically, can be filled uh, and quite treacherous when you're trying to sort of navigate those waters of what works and what doesn't work. And Dr. Phillips is such an extraordinarily kind and understanding human being, somebody that really takes complex subjects and simplifies them in a way that's, that's just super easy to understand. So uh, this is a clip from our conversation about the effectiveness of plant protein versus animal protein and how his opinions have sort of shifted and changed over the years. Um, so I'd love to just recap here quick before I let you go, Dr. Phillips, uh, 0.7 grams per pound of body weight. We've seen as, as high as 0.7 to 1.2 seems to be a good recommendation, making sure we're focusing on those essential amino acids, specifically leucine seems to be the big one. Um, and then just realizing what protein can and can't do for you. So if you have a well-balanced, um, you know, wide ranging diet of plants and animals, you're probably going to get close to your recommendations, what you need. Now, if you're a little stressed, if your life's all over the place, you got some kids, maybe every once in a while you're going to McDonald's too many times a week, whatever it might be, maybe some supplementation, um, some other uh, things that you might need to add into your diet just to make sure it's a little more well-rounded. Um, any other final thoughts here on the protein sort of debate before I let you go? I uh, know. I, I mean, I, I think your summaries all along have been, uh, you know, right on point. Uh, you know, some of the, uh, if you like, 
some of the arguments or the disagreements in the area, I'll, I'll fully admit, have uh, probably been of our own creation. You know, our own work early on supported, uh, you know, to a very large degree, uh, animal-based whey, et cetera, uh, supplements as being superior uh, from a muscle protein synthetic standpoint. What we haven't found is that these then have translated into meaningful outcomes in terms of strength and muscle mass and everything. So the, the, the effect that we're seeing acutely gets uh, diluted. Not that muscle protein synthesis is unuseful, um, it's just that it's, uh, it tends to emphasize differences as opposed to the reality of what happens in quote unquote real life. So, you know, uh, I'm, I'm a scientist, uh, it's hard for me to admit that we, I don't think we got it wrong, but we, may, we maybe did, we maybe overstated the, uh, the importance of, of protein quality and lots of other things. So uh, I'm beginning to mellow my stance on, on that. Again, I just want to say thank you to Dr. Stuart Phillips for being such a good friend of the program. Dr. Phillips was actually also a speaker at our recent resistance exercise conference and just really the pinnacle of what it means to be uh, a leader in the field of exercise science. He's received numerous awards, been recognized nationally and internationally um, by different certifying bodies for his excellence. And I, I think it's just so important to see somebody who can admit uh, that their initial ideas were, were wrong, or maybe not, you know, as he said, right on point. And sometimes what we see in the lab doesn't actually translate into the real world. So being open to new science and new evidence as it presents itself is, is really what makes an effective scientist, which is really the perfect description of this next guest, this next episode from this year, where we discussed dinopenia and sarcopenia with a great friend of the program, Dr. James Fisher. Dr. Fisher's been on numerous episodes on the podcast before, uh, but I think this one this year was one of my favorites, uh, sitting down and discussing the importance of, of strength training for longevity, for the different types of things that it has to offer us as we age and the importance of it and staying active as we get older uh, to continue to have a long and useful lives and, and living the type of life that, that not only fulfills us uh, mentally, but also physically. So please enjoy a clip from this episode on dynopenia and sarcopenia with Dr. James Fisher. You know, the concept of, for example, the concept of a detox is a, is a little bit broken. So you, even if you did have these toxins in your, body, in your body that you need to get rid of, and your body is designed to get rid of toxins, but even if you did have toxins in your body to get rid of, doing it for a month and then going back to a normal lifestyle would only reduce those toxins for a month and then you'd go back to putting them back in your body. So I, I would encourage people not to go through any drastic changes. I'd encourage people to look for lifestyle changes. And lifestyle changes might be in the form of more um, daily activity. So that's taking stairs more often than taking the lift. Um, that's walking uh, a couple blocks, you know, not being so sedentary if people do an office job, getting up more times in the day stepping outside, getting some fresh air, getting some vitamin D. And then, of course, around that, um, assuming they're already strength training, um, reducing their calorie intake, but maintaining or increasing their protein intake so they're doing everything they can to optimize retention of the muscle that they've got and, and, and even potentially increase muscle mass. There's evidence that shows people, even on a calorie-restricted diet, can increase muscle mass. Um, there have been studies done with 
younger adults, uh, younger males who it's to some extent relatively easy to add muscle mass to with a resistance training program, um, even on a very, very reduced uh, calorie intake diet can add muscle mass if the protein intake is sufficient. So I think the key thing is to, to find lifestyle changes that work for us. As always, so many great points from Dr. Fisher. He just does such a wonderful job of taking the clinical literature, the evidence, and and putting it into real-world practical terms that we can all understand and start pulling those effective levers to make actionable choices in our daily life to start seeing some positive outcomes. So thank you, as always, to Dr. Fisher for being such a wonderful friend of the program. To round out our list of my top five episodes from this year, it's actually a new guest, somebody that we recently had on that a few of you have probably listened to this episode already, but just so excited to talk to him, uh, Dr. Jose Antonio. Uh, it was my first time connecting with Dr. Antonio, and we just had such a great in-depth conversation about the benefits of creatine, something that I'm, I'm relatively familiar with, but I think it was just so important to dispel some of the common myths and misconceptions. You know, I came into this conversation thinking, all right, we're going to talk about the muscle-building benefits of creatine, of which obviously there are many. But I think I came away with a greater understanding of some of the other potential benefits that creatine has to offer. And in this world where people are trying to sell you snake oil all the time, especially in the fitness industry, I think it's nice to know that there are a few supplements out there that have the backing of the research that show their effectiveness. And without question, creatine monohydrate is one of those supplements. So here's just a little snippet from our conversation about some of the other benefits of creatine that I certainly wasn't aware of before we sat down. Yeah. And I, I do want to make one last comment. I tell, you know, I, I teach exercise science students at the university and um, a lot of them, most of them are not into bodybuilding. They don't give a crap about bodybuilding. Um, but I tell them, even if you don't care about the effects on lean body mass or performance, there's good data on creatine helping your brain. So it might help your memory. It certainly, you know, might contribute to some better, you know, cognitive capacity. Do it for that. I mean, that's the reason you want to do it. Because um, at the end of the day, you know, you're judged from the neck up. If your brain's healthy, then, you know, you can you can do whatever you want. But, you know, most of us, most of them don't care about, you know, we're not bodybuilders. I don't want to gain, you know, lean body mass. I'm like, yeah, you don't have to. Just take low-dose creatine. It's good for the head. I mean, oftentimes that's why I take it. I, even when I'm, you know, I have a bad night of sleep or whatever, it's like, huh. I feel like creatine and maybe because I've been on it so long, it's like, I think creatine seems to help with that. If you're somewhat, you know, not sleep deprived, but, you know, maybe sleep restricted a little bit. Yeah. I mean, and you just hit so many great points for, for what I had listed here is like the main creatine takeaways, right? Which is depending on your goals, it's definitely safe. You should probably take it. It's not yes. a miracle, but it's very effective, which is something that very few supplements can actually claim, can help with muscular development, potentially brain function, glycogen storage, and it's health. Or it's healthy for older and younger individuals alike. It's safe, effective, relatively cheap. There's really almost no reason not to right. take creatine. Yep. And Any then other closing thoughts? Go ahead. Go well, ahead. My, my one closing thought is I tell people, you know, instead of me convincing you to take creatine, this is how I frame it. I, I would ask them, what's the compelling reason for you not to take it? And that way it forces them to think about, okay, why should I not take it? 
it helps with this, 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 and this. It's not really expensive. So why am I not taking it? And really, they, they sort of have an epiphany like, well, maybe I should take it because I can't, I can't think of a reason not to take it. There's no side effects. So, so I think that's what gets them going. You know, rather than, you know, do this because I'm telling you it's good for you. A lot of people are like, I don't give a shit what you're telling me. <laughs> I need you to convince yourself that is good for you. And that's, I think, if you frame the question that way, I think people think of it differently. What a great way to finish off this yearly recap. Such a wonderful point from Dr. Antonio. If you can convince somebody that something's good for them, you can convince them to hopefully start doing it for themselves. So I just want to say one more time, thank you to everyone for listening this year. It's been such a distinct pleasure to serve you, uh, to be a part of your evidence-based exercise journey. We'd love to hear from you. We really love to hear feedback, what you guys would like to hear in the coming year in 2023. I hope everybody has a wonderful holiday season. I just want to say thank you again to all of our guests, not just the ones featured here today, but every guest, past, present, and future of the Discover Strength podcast. Thank you uh, to all of you for helping this podcast become what it has today. And thank you to everyone for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your year, and we will see you in 2023.